one in one nine WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you've joined us. Governor Gretchen Whitmer has requested a major disaster declaration here in Michigan from the federal government to deal with the coronavirus pandemic. The number of confirmed cases is increasing significantly, especially here in southeast Michigan, as are the number of related deaths. Here to talk more about what she needs from the federal government is Governor Gretchen Whitmer. Governor, welcome back to the program. Good morning. So let's start with what a major disaster declaration would mean for people here in Michigan. So this is one of many formal requests that we've made to the federal government. We've been reaching out to the Department of Homeland Security, the Department of Health and Human Services, uh, through FEMA, directly with the vice president's office, so and, and through the National Governors Association. So this is one additional uh, formalized request. It's 26 pages. It was um, incredibly comprehensive, learning best practices from what other states have done to articulate precisely what it is that we're hopeful the feds will assist us with. And we've seen the president respond to that uh, in a way that I, I got to say, I don't understand, and I don't think most other people understand. I, I just want to get your reaction to what he's doing and what he's saying. You know, I am perplexed as well, to be honest. I think that um, I made an observation about the, you know, uh, lack of preparedness on the front end of when we knew COVID-19 was coming to the United States. And I think I must have struck a nerve. And that's um, something that is incredibly unfortunate because we've got to stay focused in the here and now. And um, it is a crisis that we are confronting that is growing so quickly here in Michigan. We are at the top of, of counties across the country, Wayne, Wayne County and Oakland County. Both were specifically mentioned on the call with the governor, or I'm sorry, all the governors and the president and the vice president yesterday by the president's person, um, expert on health, Dr. Briggs. So this is something I know they appreciate the importance of, and yet we're really struggling to get the kind of assistance that we need. We're trying to procure masks and personal protection equipment of all nature outside of the federal government, as we were suggested to um, a few weeks ago. But the fact of the matter is we need, still need assistance from the feds, and I'm, I'm hopeful that they will be able to provide it. So, as you said, you have been trying to procure this kind of equipment that we need outside of the federal government. You announced yesterday that Michigan has secured 13 million uh, N95 masks, more than 200,000 surgical masks, 35,000 hospital gowns, more than 4 million gloves, nearly 100,000 face shields. What will this equipment mean for the medical professionals, these first responders who are dealing with all of this? Well, um, you know, if you've seen some of the videos of doctors and nurses going into a shift or coming home from a shift, you know that right now, because supplies are so low, that they are literally wearing one mask, one, you know, disposable, intended for one use, one patient mask. Mm -hmm. They're wearing it for a whole shift. They're jeopardizing their own health to take care of others because we don't have enough of this equipment. And that's why my team and I have been working 24-7 to try to procure these things from other sources from the federal government. We've had some success. Um, it, you know, we've gotten some contracts. But just last night, I was informed by the team that some of these contracts 
are being canceled because these goods have been redirected to the federal government. I'm investigating that this morning. I've made another plea to the White House for a call with the president. Um, it's one thing to tell us that we've got to find these elsewhere. It's a whole nother to get in the way of our ability to do that. And I'm very concerned about it. And that's something that uh, we're going to continue working toward. And that's precisely why any Michigan business that has a warehouse that has any of these items in it, we need them to make those donations quickly. Anyone who can produce these things, we need them to ramp up now. We are seeing this exponential increase in Michigan, and it is going to continue for weeks. Despite these aggressive actions, we know that we won't see the benefit of them for a couple of weeks in. And so right now we are really in a crisis moment, and anyone who can pitch in is asked to. Yeah. Uh, you and Chief Medical Executive Dr. Joni Caldoun talked yesterday about how the state is implementing a load balancing plan for COVID-19 patients to help create more hospital capacity. You're asking hospitals outside of Metro, Metro Detroit to act as relief hospitals and offer 10 percent of uh, their bed capacity to hospitals that are overwhelmed. Overnight, I saw a memo uh, from Henry Ford Health Systems about triaging patients and taking people perhaps off of ventilators uh, who maybe don't have the best chance of survival. That's, that's sort of where we are right now with capacity and equipment. Uh, you're saying we need the whole state to pitch in. Yeah, I mean, it's the soul-crushing reality of where we are. You know, I have seen sources of inspiration every day since this crisis began in the heroes that are stocking our shelves at the grocery store or the nurses that are wearing those masks all day long and attending to the sickest people among us. And yet we know that there still is too little support for the work that needs to be done. That's why mitigation and people staying at home is so incredibly important. That's why the order was issued. But it's also precisely why hospitals are going to have to issue guidance to their front line um, that is devastating, like what you just referred to, that we will not have enough ventilators for predicted need. We know that we have too few of all of the personal protection equipment that we need. And it is going to come crashing on Michigan the way that it has New York, and it already is in some of our hospital systems. So I, I want to talk, Governor, specifically about Detroit and what we're seeing here. Uh, right now, Detroit is leading the country in the rate of new cases. There, there are very dire comparisons being made to the other worst-case scenarios around, around the planet. Uh, I wonder if you could talk about why you think this is happening in, in our largest city. I mean, uh, th there are some obvious uh, issues that we have here all the time in terms of poverty, in terms of access to good medical care. Uh, but, but this seems something quite different than what we're normally dealing with. Uh, and, and it is so deadly, of, of course, uh, the, the, the rate of spread leads to more fatalities. I, I just wonder if you can talk a little about uh, what you think uh, we should be thinking about what's happening in Detroit, what we should be maybe doing about it, uh, and why it's so bad. Well, I think that the inequity in the access to health care uh, shows the inequity in the ability to combat 
COVID-19. Anyone that has um, these high risk factors and the social determinants of health knows that communities that um, have higher poverty have lower access to health care, lower access to healthy foods, higher instances of diabetes. These are populations that are uniquely hardly hit by this COVID-19. Dr. Janae Kaldun um, talked about it yesterday. Uh, I think that it's exacerbated in cities uh, where people are, are um, you know, living closer together and, and spending more, um, you know, are more people in a smaller space. But the fact of the matter is these socioeconomic factors that are absolutely direct correlation with the the hardship that is being imposed by COVID-19 and, and frankly, a lot of um, impacts on our, on our health. And I think that's something that is really important, having a job that gives you health care so you've got it when you need it, ensuring that um, we're giving everyone equity when it comes to um, opportunity, when it comes to resources, when it comes to um, the best medical care there is. All of these are factors that play into it, and I think that's why we see in, in cities like Detroit, it's hard, you know, the unique and harshest impacts. Yeah. Uh, of course, we are getting lots of calls and questions from listeners every day right now. And we had uh, one question that seems to be coming from multiple people on social media who want to know what we should expect when the mandated school closure date comes. Uh, is that going to be uh, revisited, the, 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 the time in which you've said that we won't have school? Is that going to be expe- extended? What, what, are your, what are your thinking about that uh, right now, and what kind of discussions are taking place? Well, you know, as you recall, we were one of the first states to pull kids out of school, and we knew that um, everything we can do to mitigate community spread is really our best and only tool in this fight right now against COVID-19. And that's why I closed bars and why ultimately I issued the stay home order. Um, with regard to our children, I, you know, each of these orders, by the way, weighs heavily on me. I know that there are ramifications from each kids who won't get their meals at school because we've got half of our population is eligible for free and reduced lunch. Mm-hmm. Uh, people that are laid off when I shut down bars, businesses that are going to struggle to reopen and not know when that is. That's the harsh reality of this disease that we're confronting is that all of these were necessary steps. But the ramifications of taking kids out of school is something that we're working to make sure we meet the needs of our children. So if they don't get back into school before the usual end of the school year, we've got to have a plan to meet their needs. And in a education system that's so inequitable, we've got unique issues we've got to work through before we make any pronouncements so that we're able to meet the needs of our kids. So we're working diligently to fashion a policy that makes sense. And I would anticipate announcements um, on that front in the next, in the coming week or so. Um, I also want to go back to this major disaster declaration uh, question that is, you know, in front of federal officials at this point. Do you have a sense of a timeline in which we would get some sort of decision on this? I mean, this delay, of course, is really frustrating. And I've seen a lot of people on social media really angry with the president, of course, about about all of it. What's the I guess, what's the timeline for breaking that log jam or 
what are some of the the uh, leverage points, I guess, that uh, you might have to be able to to get them moving? Well, I've enlisted the help of our congressional delegation, and as a bipartisan group, um, they've been incredibly supportive and helpful, and I'm I'm grateful for that, and hopeful that we can get a declaration even yet today, hopefully. Um, in some states, it's happened within hours of receipt of the letter. I'm hopeful that that can be the case here in Michigan. Everything's been finalized. It's on their desk. They've acknowledged that they have it. So it's my hope that they can act swiftly. And because I know they're paying attention to what's happening in Michigan, I'm hopeful that they'll execute this and expedite assistance that we've been asking for. Yeah. Uh, and finally, Governor, I want to uh, I want to ask you about hope right now. Uh, what kind of hope you're able to sort of maintain through all of this and what hope you think those of us here in the state of Michigan ought to be grasping for or clinging to at this point. It, it does seem like things are getting worse and that uh, the worst of this may still be ahead of us. Um, I wonder if you have any sort of words for, for our listeners. Well, I'll share this. You know, we, we are going to continue to see the numbers go up. And I think that that's a reality we have to be just bluntly honest about. We are behind, two weeks behind where we should be in testing and ramping up with materials. And COVID-19 is growing in Michigan. We're still having a hard time making sure we're doing all the tests we need to do, much less getting the PPE, which we've talked a lot about. But I will tell you this, even on these darkest days, there are sources of inspiration across our state. The teachers that are helping students get the food that they need with school being closed. The nurses and the doctors who are going in and working these incredibly long shifts and are doing so because they are trained and care about the people that they're supposed to uh, treat. We see it in the grocery store clerks who are working double shifts to keep food on the shelves. There is a source of inspiration in distilleries that are making hand sanitizer. And so I think it's really important, especially in these darkest days, that we seek out those sources of inspiration to help us get through. We will get through. We've been through tough times before, and we will get through this. But it's going to be a challenge, and everyone needs to do their part. Okay. Governor Gretchen Whitmer, I hope uh, you are taking care of yourself and uh, your family as well through all of this. I know you guys are working 24 hours a day up there to try to figure out how we get through this. Uh, but I really appreciate the time here on Detroit Today. Thank you, Stephen. Take care. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to hear from Congresswoman Debbie Dingell about the federal response to coronavirus. Also remember that this is WDET's spring fundraiser, and despite all of the things that are going on, we still need your support to keep shows like Detroit Today and all of the programming here at WDET on the air. Go to WDET.org or call 800-959-9338 to donate. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. Thank you.